going to look at Gideon today. It's a long story, and uh, a fella, if he wanted to, could really make a long sermon out of that. Hmm. We'll keep it short, though, huh? What a great story. Uh, Gideon, the making of the man. You want to open up your bulletin? There's a place for you to make some notes in there if you'd so desire. I hope you will. There's some neat stuff in this story. Um, Honestly, though, it's a story of just regular stuff. The regular process that God wants to take a man and a woman on, point A to point B. It's a regular story. So a pastor like myself gets in there and says, well, what can I get out of this? What new insights can I give the people? How can I really wow them? There's really not a whole lot of wow in there. It's a, it's a reminder of what God wants to do with every person. So rather than a wower, let's call it a, a confirmer. All right, let's do that. The making of a man, and of course, the making of a woman as well. Eddie had it all. He lived in a gated, secure mansion, drove new cars, plenty of wealth, famous as well. He ate at all the best restaurants, and he lived in style. He was a brilliant lawyer. It had succeeded beyond his wildest dreams, but he was crooked. He was a great lawyer, had one client whose name was Al Capone. It was Eddie who kept Capone out of jail, did a lot of his fancy work, a lot of manipulations. But Eddie didn't like the murders. But he was in too far now. Worst, he had a son who worshipped him and adored him. And he wanted to be a good example for that son. But the way that he was living his life was not at all. And he knew that that son would grow up and lose respect for him someday. So he made a decision. He turned all of Capone's tax records into the authorities. And that's how they were able to bring Capone down for tax evasion. And so Capone was finished. But so was Eddie, because a couple weeks later, some of Capone's men mowed him down. But he died leaving his son an example that he always wanted to give and hadn't thus far in his life. His name was Eddie O'Hare. Here's another O'Hare. Butch. World War II ace. Good man. Raised a good family, won the Medal of Honor. And I don't know if you knew this, but Butch O'Hare is the one that they have named O'Hare Airport in Chicago after. Butch was Eddie O'Hare's son. Turned out pretty good, huh? Somewhere along the lines, every man and every woman needs to reverse the trends. Somewhere along the line, God is wanting every man and woman to reverse the trends. But for some reason, you and I buck the system so much. So we're going to see how God made a man through Gideon, and then hopefully you and I can get inspired to get in line, follow, submit to God's pushes rather than pulling back. You know the story of all these these stories in the book of Judges. It starts the same. This is Judges 6. 
if you want to go there and read along with me. Verse 1, again, the, Midi- the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Key word, again, over and over. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Listen, because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive, the Israelites, listen to this, something you and I have never had to deal with. They prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. Okay, Gaza's clear west by the Mediterranean. And all these guys are coming from clear on the east. They are thoroughly ransacking the whole country. They came with their livestock, their tents, like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help, just like they always do, and just like probably you and I have done as well in our lives. All right, so when they cried out, God sent them a prophet. And the prophet said this, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the God of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Gideon and the next story involving Gideon's son is all about listening. Well, we could maybe say it's all about forgetting, people who forget. It's all about listening. It's all about how you and I are prone to believe the lies this world offers and forget the truths that God has said in his word to us and that he wants to, he wants to build our life around those truths, but we so easily forget. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 2 says something so very simple. We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard. Now, doesn't that just wow you? Moms, dads, do you wish that the kids have paid attention to what you've heard? Moms, dads, have you raised your voice? Why do you raise your voice? Because you didn't felt listened to, right? How come you didn't get listened to? Bratty kids? That might be part of it. But maybe you've constructed things in a way that the message was not confirmed or communicated. Or maybe you were inconsistent in the way that you disciplined after the message was given. And so now you got to raise your voice, which causes dysfunction. And now you got to ground. Or now you got to take something away. A lot bigger problem than if we would have consistently said it through in the beginning. Well, God was consistent. God was good. God laid down his message. For him there, it was the people. But God in his love now is coming around and probably does things differently than you and I. God presents truth. We believe lies. Now, we're going to see Gideon basically kind of say, you're going to use me? Who am I? I, I'm not, I, I can't do this. You and I believe so many lies that if all of the truths that we've missed were presented to us in one shebang, it would totally overwhelm us. And so God up there in his love for us 
says, oh boy, I got to get Ben from point A to point B. And I'm sure he probably wipes the sweat off his brow on that one. And he probably says, oh man, it's going to be a lot of work. This is going to be a lot of patience. This is going to be a lot of suffering to get through all of this. Ah. But if all of the truths that you and I have missed were presented at one time to us, it would probably cause us a psychotic break. Too overwhelming. And so as we see the story of Gideon, God just goes step by step by step by wonderful step by wonderful loving step by wonderful loving merciful step. And he builds this man who was as low as could be and having believed all of the lies. God's truth was the Israelites should have no problem overcoming and even preventing the Midianites from coming in. But they'd all lost track of that. They had lost track of all of that. They had believed so many lies. They had worshipped so many gods other than the one true God that now they find themselves building caves in the mountains to hide. Here's what God does. The angel of the Lord came down in verse 11, sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In a wine press, in a cave, he's hiding. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. (laughs) A mighty warrior is hiding. The mighty warrior, that's truth, right out of God's mouth. But does Gideon believe that at all? Quite a contrast. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, if that's really the truth, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. That's a lie. And put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, I don't really want to get into a conversation about lies with you, Gideon, because that's not going to work. You already believe them. So I'm just going to tell you, I want you to go in the strength you have, and I want you to save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I just want you to do what I say. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, which was no great one of all the 12 tribes. My clan's the weakest, and I'm the least in my clan. There you go. There's the evidence, God. I can't do this. But the Lord said, truth, I will be with you. And the Lord said, truth, Gideon, you will strike down all of the Midianites together. All of the Midianites, all the Amalekites, all the Amorites that have come from the east. All of them. We're going to see in a minute where Gideon looks out over that valley and he sees them all. Impossible to count. No way. But God says, all. Okay. God comes down and says, we are going to start believing truth. And Gideon, I want to help you walk in truth and not lies anymore. And friend, this is exactly what he wants to do with you. And teenager and junior higher and elementary school, this is exactly what your parents want to do with you. So the key is here, let us pay more careful attention to what we have heard, and that being the truth of God. All right. So Gideon says what you and I would all probably say. Okay, if this is true, God, show me a sign. Show me a sign. God said, you bring out, make a sacrifice to me. So Gideon brought out a goat from his father's herd, 
put it there on an altar, and, God, and that angel of the Lord touched it, and boom, it went up in flame. God, or Gideon knew, okay, this is real. God's here with me. All right. So then comes step number two that I call the first reverse. If we're going to go from, from believing lies to truth, we go through the process, or God wants to take us through the process called the first reverse. The problem is, you and I want to reverse the first reverse all the time. Because it's a hard one. What a process to change your perception from lie to truth. It's a great process that I know all of you went through at one time, and you remember the process where you were once blind, now you fully see. You remember the time in your life, but God wants to keep you trending on that, lest you trend on your tendency to believe the lies more and more and more. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? It's this. We need to pay more careful attention to what we have heard. God sends a prophet. The people didn't really listen to the prophet, but the prophet was an introduction to truth that they were about hopefully going to assume themselves. You know what? I think you should listen to the preacher more. I know there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there, (laughs) but you should. I don't care if he's a good one or a bad one. You should. Both in quantity and quality. When the bad one stands up here and preaches a sermon, you should listen qualitatively with all of your heart. And when he's not up here and you're out at work during the day or you're getting up in the morning, put a sermon in or put a preacher on the radio or put him on TV quantitatively. We should listen more. This is all the submission of truth God is giving to us. We're just not very good listeners. And perhaps maybe we are better listeners than the average Christian out there, but we're all very good forgetters because... And that little amount of time that we listen to God's truth, it gets overshadowed or overwhelmed by all of the conformity that the world and its lies wants to press us into. Am I scratching where you're itching? First reverse. It's coming for you. Sooner or later, God's going to take the first step to reverse the lies that you believe. Because he's doing all of this, molding you into greatness molding you and shaping you into the plan that he has for you. There's rough and tumble. The first reverse is not very easy. So how did God do it? The first reverse is unique to you. Here's the next verses I want to show up on the screen. That same night where the angel of the Lord touched the altar and it went up in flame, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bowl from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. What are you doing, Dad? What are you doing? Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord, the one true God, on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you have cut down... Listen to those words for a second. Offer the second bowl as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Good job, Gideon. No, but because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. First reverse is hard. First reverse is probably met with you saying, Jesus, I don't know if I want to do this. Folks, First reverse 
are the biggest steps of your life. And you got a great God up there saying, I'm going to make that big step as small as I possibly can so you'll actually bite it off and chew on it and eat it. He makes it as small as he can so you'll go for it. It takes faith. This is how we please God. We trust in him that even though this is a massive step for us, we just have the confidence that, okay, if you're there, God, and God's already showed him that he's there, okay, God, I'll try. Okay, God, I'll try. In the morning, when the men of the town got up, there, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bowl sacrificed on the newly built altar. And they asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did this. So the men of the town demanded of Joash, his dad, bring out your son. He's going to die because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. He's going to die. You can kind of level with Gideon now. No wonder he was afraid. Gideon is being asked by God to bust down a stronghold and he's going to ask you to do that as well. But that means you going against the grain of your family, your co-workers, and the society you live in. Do you got the gumption to do that? Or are you going to be conformed by the lies? First reverse, friend. It's coming. It's coming to you. Will you say yes? I think you will because God makes the first reverse unique to you. Go demolish the altar, Gideon, and cut down that stupid Asherah pole. Cut it down three times. Cut it down. Gideon's name means hewer. He cut stuff down. And so with his name, God afforded him the opportunity to do what his name says. And God's coming to you with the first reverse. And whether it's your name or just something unique in your heart, he's got to start the reverse to get you from point A to point B. He wants to do it. He knows you can't get there on your own. He knows the lies you believe. He knows that the lies you believe have brought your spirit down and have brought into your life a measure of despair. He wants to get you over the despair, make you fully alive, and realize your dreams. But it takes first reverse. He'll come with it. Don't worry. It takes you saying yes to first reverse. And the good news is the first reverse is a huge step, but he makes it small by touching your heart with it. Gideon had the opportunity to really live up to his name and cut that stupid pole down. What strongholds do you need to bring down? God will touch you with the first reverse, unique to you and to your heart, seemingly dragging you in to truth and bold living because thus far in your life, you probably have not done that like he wanted you to. He wants you to get to your dreams. He is the giver of dreams. He's put the dreams into your heart. He's ready to touch your heart and get you there. Amen? Gosh, he's good. Man, he's good. Man, he loves. All right. My next point is that God kicks it in. Bring out your son. We're going to 
put him to death. But Gideon's dad shows up and saves him. Hey, Baal can fight his own battles. You don't need to put this chump to death over this. Baal can fight his own battles if he's a true God. And so the people relented. And then here's what God does. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples join forces. They crossed over from the east over the Jordan. They camped in the Valley of Jezreel. Remember the Valley of Jezreel where Sisera had all of his chariots? Last time we talked about this valley. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And that's the one we forget about, friends. We're too busy believing the lie that everything is up to us and we lose hope that just around the corner, the Spirit of God can empower. Just around the corner, the Spirit of God can change circumstances that you and I would have never saw coming. And he opens up the doors to what he wants to do through us, but you and I lose sight of that. Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. He blew the trumpet with bravery, summoned the Abizarites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms, also to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. This is a new man, so that they too went up to meet them. You see, once we start out of our comfort zone of passivity, God then begins to work. People are now following Gideon, the man who was once afraid But one bold move does not a man make. God kickstarts the situation in to build Gideon up. And we lose track of this step. We lose track of the first reverse. We lose track of God's spirit coming in and changing the situation. So Gideon says again, like you and I, Ah, God, it's so big. He looks out over the valley and he sees all the Midianites and all the camels. Ah, you sure, God? I, I know, God. I saw, the, I saw the altar go up in flames. That was awesome. I know, I know, I know. And I feel this energy. I, I can sense what you're doing, God, but are you sure? And so this is where the story introduces to us the fleece. You know this one? It's just, God, show me a sign, and I just want to give you permission. You can ask God for a sign. You can ask him. God, Gideon says, hey, I want you to, I'm going to put the fleece out tonight, and I want you to not have dew fall anywhere except for on the fleece. So he woke up in the morning, wrung the fleece out, a whole bowl full of water. And, God, and Gideon said to God, okay, well, just have some patience with me, God. One more night here, just one more time. This time, I want you to make the fleece dry, but dew all the way around. He woke up the next morning, the fleece was dry, but there was dew all around it. Show me a sign. Well, God did. He did. He will reinforce your lack of confidence. But I don't think he does that until after you and I have shown the faith. All right. Gideon's in now. Okay, God, I get it. I'm back on track Thank you for reinforcing my confidence. Sorry. I'm off now, I think. Oh, back on. Is it good? Can you hear? All right. Okay. <laughs> it might be this. All right. So Gideon's back on track now. His heart's beating just like yours. <laughs> 
And here's what God does. Do you know what he does? Gideon blew the trumpet and 30,000 men came. 30,000 men following a man who was hiding just a few days before. God says to Gideon, all right, here we go. You see what I can do? Yeah, I can see it. And then God says this, Gideon, there's too many. You have too many men. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and tell those 30,000 men, if any of you are scared to death, you can just turn right around and go home right now. It's okay. Out of the 30,000, against the innumerable Midianites, 20,000 were scared and they went home. Gideon only has 10,000 now. What? 10,000 to go against a valley full of camels and Midianites. 10,000. Then God says, you still have too many. Would you take them down? I don't remember the spot, but take them down. And the ones that cup the water and lap like a dog, those are the ones I want you to keep. Anybody else drinks water and bends down and drinks out of the creek? Don't keep them. So out of those 10,000, now we're only left with 300. 300 men. I won't put that hand in the pocket again. Sorry. 300 men. Are we on now? 300 men is all we're left with. And that spot today, if you go over there, this is where all of the elite troops of the Israeli army still go to this creek lap up the water in their hands and, lap, and drink it out of their hands. 300. I'll get to it real quick. Those 300 men go down into the valley at night. They've got a, a trumpet and they've got a fire. And they go down and they totally confuse the vast Midianite army. And the Midianite army turns on itself and they begin to fight against themselves, kill themselves, They realize finally what's happening, and so they begin to run towards the Jordan River to try to escape back over to the east. And the 300 men track them down, and one by one, all of them are put to death. There was one more time, though, that God said, Hey, Gideon, sneak down into the valley at night if you need another sign. And so Gideon did. And the first thing he heard from one of the Midianite soldiers at night in hiding was, ah, I had a dream. This barley roll was rolling down from up top, down into the valley, and it wiped all of our donkeys and all of our tents away. That's the first thing that Gideon heard when he went down in the valley at night. And a friend of that soldier said, this could only be Gideon. We're doomed. That was all he needed to hear. Now, do you think the rest of the army shared that belief that Gideon with his 300 men was going to take them on? Probably not. But this has got to work again. Goes down in, and the first thing and the only thing he hears is that. Fills him with confidence. And they do what they do. The Midianite army is conquered. And some of the tribes say, I'm not going to help you. Give us bread, Gideon said to one tribe. And the the tribe said, no, not until you kill them all. Because if you don't have them all... And we give you bread, it's our heads if this battle reverses. Well, it didn't. Ephraim said, hey, how come you didn't come down and call us? We would have helped. And that's when the battle was already over. How does Gideon from the tribe of Manasseh, lowest in his clan, how does he get all the credit here? We want some of the credit. 
You see how people are? You see how people are? They don't listen. They believe the lies. And once you reverse the lie, then they want some of the credit. They won't be for you when you're in first reverse. But after you get it done, they'll be for you. This is the making of a man. This is how God changes you from afraid to an influencer of men and women. This is the track that he wants to take you on. It's a long story, as I've said. It's a great victory, as we've just talked about. 300 men against the vast, innumerable Midianite army. And thus, the scripture says, Midian was subdued before the Israelites did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land enjoyed peace 40 years. And Gideon, son of Joash, went back home to live. And he had 70 sons of his own. He lived in Shechem. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age, was buried in the tomb of his father. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. I think that's kind of funny. This is the way, friends, of faith as best as I know it. This is the journey that God has slated for everyone. Yes, he wants to make strong men and women. Will you put yourself in his hands where nothing rules over you except for the truth that he's presented to you? This is the journey he wants to take you on. Will you go? Paul asks in Romans, does the clay have any right to ask the potter, why do you make me like this? Why would we want to ask? Let's trust the potter. The reason that we would want to ask and question God is because we are afraid. We are afraid. And that's what we got to get over. All right, I'm going to read Romans chapter 8 from the message version. That's what I'm going to close with. If the band wants to come up, they can. Please listen. And please open your heart to be inspired by this scripture. This is Romans 8. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made this decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. He will touch your heart. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, 
sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. You got to go with the first reverse, friend. You got to go with him. You can go ahead and stand for the invitation song. Decision time. We offer this up for you to do whatever you got to do to get right, to get back on track, to do whatever you got to do. Gideon for some time believed that God had abandoned them. He had his evidence, but it's just not true. God has embraced you. Nothing can get in the way. Only just you. Don't believe Don't believe the lies. Just the truth. Search your heart right now. What is it that you've believed? What strongholds in your life have you just settled and accepted? It's time to go to war. It's time to allow God to make you fully alive and bring him down. Realize dreams. Break down the barriers and the limitations. And just draw closer to the one who's so fully embraced you. Let's go with that.